Welcome to the Renegade Nutrition Podcast, where we discuss all things wellness. I'm Eleni Welch, nutritionist. And I'm Kay Boyer, health enthusiast. All right, welcome back, Renegades. Hello, Renegades. This is another episode of Renegade Nutrition <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> I, was just, I was just wondering what was going to come out of your mouth. I know, I, I, I went subtle there. Uh, okay, this is a special episode because I'm going to say everything that Eleni has said benignly throughout my life with her that I've been like, oh, that's important. I'm going to remember this when I'm in my kitchen and in my health journey. So I hope that you guys can find some good, good little truth nuggets for your, for your kitchen time throughout this. And I'm excited because I have no idea what Kay's going to say. Yeah. <laughs> She's a little worried. <laughs> It'll be good. Okay. I have eight things I've learned from Eleni. Okay. Number one, and I'm going to say it, and then you can just kind of expand on it. Okay. So don't heat your honey. Oh, yes. Right? So like, I like to cook with honey as my alternative sweetness to be like a little healthier. But then one day, Eleni was like, don't heat it. And I was like, tell me why. Okay. So, um, honey is a good alternative sweetener compared to like regular plain sugar, um, or high fructose corn syrup or something like that, because it has vitamins and minerals and enzymes and all that good stuff in it. Um, and it has some nutritional value, but when you heat honey, you destroy a lot of the enzymes and you destroy the, um, some of the vitamins and the minerals and you kind of change the structure of it. And so you basically turn it into corn syrup when you heat it. Like that's basically what it turns into is, is fructose and, and that glucose, but it's not, it's devoid of all the normal benefits of honey. So even in a hot drink, you can kind of destroy the, the benefits of honey. So I know there's a lot of like, I mean, if you have like a cold or a flu, you know, and people like, Oh, drink hot water with honey in it, but maybe just let the water get warm, like yeah. not boiling hot, yeah. but just warm and then mix the honey in. So it dissolves. Cause you can't dissolve honey into cold water. Yeah. But, um, yes, I see it a lot as like, Oh, do it. Cause of all the benefits of honey, but they're putting it in boiling hot water and they're eliminating all the benefits of honey. Yes. So, so yeah. Yeah. Knew. Yes. Knew. <laughs> and honey and honey itself. I think they've shown when you're looking at blood sugar, um, it actually does not substantially raise blood sugar. It seems to have some properties that enable it to like be more balanced in terms of your blood sugar spike. But if you heat it, then it does cause a glucose spike. Things I didn't know. Thank you, Eleni. You're welcome. All right. Number two, that sugar is inflammatory and my three o'clock slump is because of my sugar. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And for all the details on that one, I think listen to our sugar cereal. We go really in depth on that in the parts one, two, three, but, um, the basic gist of it is with blood sugar spikes, you know, you raise, when you consume sugar, you raise your blood glucose levels and it gets into the spike. And then when you get this sharp decline because it doesn't stay high forever. Right. It kind of levels and then it crashes. And that crash is what makes people feel tired and cranky and Mm -hmm. irritable and headachey. Mm -hmm. And like, they need a second cup of coffee or like they need another hit of sugar to feel good, or they need that second soda, whatever it is. Um, and so yes, consuming sugar 
makes you feel good in the short term, but then as time wears on and you start to get that crash, you feel really yep. terrible. That was eye opening for me because I, I have really good energy. I do a lot, whatever, but really every day at like two 30 or three, I'm just a little slumping pants. And I, and you saying that and I, I used to just think, well, it's later in the day. I'm tired. Like I, I don't really have coffee. I, do, I mean, I don't have caffeine at all, really. But I was like, maybe this is why people have coffee. And you're like, wait, check your blood sugar levels. You should be able to to sustain energy throughout the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And that's what it clued me in of like, okay, okay, you could do a little better. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. That was good. All right, okay. Now, number three. Is this number three or four? I don't know, okay. What I'm looking at is like your schedule for work. So (laughs) it's like, anyone knows how messy I am in life? Oh, you can't even see it with the light. I have got like three different colors going on. This is done throughout the day sketching. Okay, I'm a mess. I and your, your notes are always on the backside of some <laughs> other document. <laughs> That's my like um, spaghetti brain. Okay, next. Okay, get quality coffee. And a problem with coffee has to do with mold. Yes. Talk to us. Talk to us. Yes. So many of the negative health consequences that come from consuming coffee aren't from consuming coffee itself, but because coffee is very high in what we call, um, like myo mycotoxins, um, mycotoxins, which are like mold toxins, um, because coffee is, is just predisposed to being moldy. And Mm. then if it's sprayed with pesticides and fungicides and all those things to try and prevent the mold from growing that then make it all chemically and don't really work because it's still moldy and it can have some toxic metals in it too, depending Mm. on where it's grown. Um, and so, and, and if it's grown irresponsibly, it's terrible for the environment without getting into all the details on that. But Um, yes, coffee can be really beneficial for your health if you're consuming mold-free, toxin-free coffee. So there's lots of brands now coming out that are starting to do that, um, in the space, even like a few years ago, I don't think it was very easy to find mold-free, toxin-free, pure coffee, but now there's many companies that have stepped up and started doing that. So yeah. I always encourage people, if you are a coffee drinker to look to the addicts in our audience, to the addicts, <laughs> <laughs> do a search, you know, and, and even if you just have one cup a day and you don't consider yourself an addict, like consuming a cup a day of those mycotoxins of drinking that mold and, and that yeah. other like pesticide fungicide is not good for you. It's very inflammatory. Um, so I would encourage you to just to do a little Google search for mold-free pure coffee or mold-free toxin-free coffee, and you will get a lot of companies that come up. And, and the way I do a search for anything like that is, you know, I'll, I'll look through the first few companies that come up. I'll look at their websites. I'll look at their missions. I'll look at their product. I'll look at how they're growing things. I'll look and make sure it's fair trade. I'll make sure that, you know, no group of people is being taken advantage of that there's not deforestation yes stuff like that I look on every website and look at what they say about that and then I usually look too for articles that are like top five best Uh, mold-free coffees where they compare them and then that's always a nice way to find it because somebody if you're doing a search for something to compare chances are somebody else has already written an article comparing all of the things that you want to compare. Use their knowledge. Yeah. Use their knowledge. So I always take advantage of that. And a lot of times like you can find an article that's like 
top five best toxin-free coffee, coffee brands, and then they'll break them down by price and give you the list of the pros and the cons. So for for any one, do you you drink coffee? Do I know this? I don't drink coffee. Okay. Yeah. Um, I have a cup of decaf maybe once a week if I'm feeling like it. Okay. Um, I, so I used to drink coffee, just a cup of coffee every day. Yeah. But, um, I was addicted to the caffeine. And so if Mm. I didn't have a cup of coffee by 1 PM, I would get a massive migraine. Um, and I just really didn't like that dependence on anything. Gotta be free. Yeah. Be free, Eleni. Yep. (laughs) So I was like, I just don't like, I don't like being dependent on anything to feel good. Like, so I decided to quit coffee. I did a cleanse and I quit coffee while I was on the cleanse. It was kind of a miserable week. It was definitely mm-hmm. migraines, but I felt fantastic by the time After. the week was over. Okay, push through. And I noticed my energy once I quit coffee, my energy was way better in the afternoons because it was like the coffee would mm-hmm. same as like the blood sugar, yeah. the coffee would it energize me in yeah. the morning and then you have that crash. And so I would always feel really tired in the afternoons and I stopped feeling tired in the afternoons. And also then it's like at that, this was probably like, I guess I want to say I stopped drinking like maybe four years ago, Mm -hmm. four or five years ago. Um, Also then it stopped being a reason for me to have like sweeteners too. Oh yeah. Cause I didn't really like coffee plain before I quit. I started drinking it with just a little bit of like heavy whipping cream and nothing else, but prior to that, like I always just put some sort of like maple syrup in it or even like those healthier sweeteners, you know, but still it was sweeteners. I wouldn't be having if I wasn't having coffee. So it just felt like it wasn't bringing me any sort of health benefits. And at the time I wasn't doing any research or drinking any sort of mold-free toxin-free coffee. So I think that was part of the energy slump too in the afternoon, but, um, no, I quit after that. And then I tried to have some at some point and whenever I drink it, it would give me a headache. So okay, I just stopped altogether. Then I started having decaf in its place because it was a ritual thing. Yeah. Yeah. And they brought me happiness in that way of having a morning ritual that I could look forward to. Yep. And then I just got away from that too. Yeah. Eventually I was like, I don't need food or a yeah. beverage to make me happy. happy? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh-huh. I, it seems benign, but to me, it was just why, why am I dependent on anything for that? Yeah. Like I, yeah. I want my life's purpose and my family and my friends yes. and like to fulfill you. Yes. I want yes. those things to be fulfilling and yeah. I don't want a glass of water can still yeah. sustain. Maybe exactly. you're just thirsty and needed. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. That leads me to, you said that you put maple syrup in it. Mm-hmm. What if you heat maple syrup is the same as honey? Um, I mean, any heating, anything can destroy some of the benefits of the vitamins or minerals that are in it, depending on which vitamin or mineral it is. Some, some vitamins, when you heat them actually become more active and more available and some degrade. So it's kind of a toss up. Um, I don't know the vitamin content or mineral content of maple syrup to know like, oh, if you heat it, this, this, and this will degrade. Okay. Okay. But yes, anytime you can avoid heating Okay. I would the higher temperatures, but I think it's not quite the same as honey, like heating honey versus heating maple syrup. It's not quite the same detrimental effect. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. All things that make me curious. Okay. Number four, this is kind of like a cousin to the coffee. 
is get quality tea bags because of microplastics. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh my gosh. This Things was such know. a disturbing article to read. Yes. So once I quit coffee, I became more of an avid tea drinker. Oh yeah. Good transition. Yes. Yeah. And then my husband actually found an article and sent it to me that was like, is your tea filled with microplastics? And I was like, great, one more thing. Yeah, seriously. Um, But a lot of the big companies, I won't name names, names. but we can link in the show notes that article. And it does tell you in that article, which brands are microplastic free and which brands are not. Um, we'll, We'll link to that. But yes, in the article, they talked about how many tea bags, like either the tea bag itself has microplastics in it, or like, you know how some of them come in those like plastic casings yeah, yeah. for no reason. Yeah. And then right. you open the plastic casing and then you have the, the tea bag inside. Yeah. So yes, they can be filled with microplastics. Like, and, and, and we are surrounded by microplastics, right? Like we're exposed to them all the time. I yeah. Mean, we in get, modern ex- world. yes, yeah. we, if we drink from plastic water bottles, we get microplastics. If we use cosmetics that are in a, like a micro like a yes. plastic housing, then we get microplastics through our skin. Yeah. So there have been studies that actually show today, infants, newborns are born already with very high levels of microplastics in their blood because of the Crazy. exposure of the mom. So literally seconds old out of the womb and their blood is already filled with microplastics because we are inundated with microplastics yeah. and we just don't really know what the long-term health effects of that is. Um, and so for many people, tea is their healthy like alternative. Healthy. Yes. yes, yes. But some of the most popular brands are filled with toxic microplastics. Yes. And I guess I shouldn't say, I mean, we do know that they have some toxic health effects. We just don't know yet what the long-term effects are. Yeah. Um, so it's better to avoid it. Right. And I just make that recommendation for everything, like use glassware instead of plastic Tupperware, use regular silverware instead of plastic silverware. I mean, first of all, that's better for the environment. Yes. Right. Right. But yes. And, and heating food, if you're going to heat food, don't heat it in plastic containers because you release a lot of microplastics that way. So anytime you can get a glass bottle instead of a plastic bottle, it's better. Anytime you can get a glass container. Yeah. I do that. I do all of my, like our grocery list is kind of built around that too. Like there yeah. are brands that if we're getting like a condiment or something, we look for the ones that are in glass bottles versus plastic bottles. I was like, I don't really buy anything else that comes in a package besides like mustard or something like that. Cause we just eat whole foods, but, um, yes, anytime you can, um, find like fish, even, you know, like, or something that's canned look for the glass. It's just better all around. Yeah. Um, That's true. Glass instead of canned. Yeah. Because then cans have the BPA and the, yes, yes. It's a whole thing. Even the ones that say they're BPA free have, have similar other chemicals that yeah, have similar molecules in it to replace the BPA. They have to use another molecule that's almost identical. And, and we don't, yeah. And we don't know what the health effects of those alternate ones are. So they're not necessarily any better. Um, so yes, we just look for glass whenever we can. Yeah. But, but yes, that's a little bit of a long way to say that a tea company that you like. 
So we actually buy a lot of loose leaf tea and okay. then strain it through a metal strainer. That's kind of been okay. our way of getting around that. Um, and I buy bulk from Frontier, you know, so I do their bulk Sencha green tea yeah. um, or like oolong tea or something like that in bulk and then diffuse it. But yeah. um, I can't remember there are good brands out there that are plastic free that I know we have upstairs in our cabinet, but I can't think of what they are. Sash. Is that a name? I don't know. Sash is one of them. I don't know that they're the plastic free one. Oh, well, let's Google that. We'll Google it. it. (laughs) But yes, it is kind of a, yeah, it's, it's a big thing. I know it feels like once you start learning everything, you're like, what can I do? What can I eat? What can I drink? Yes. But there is, there's always alternatives. As soon as there's yeah. a problem, there's somebody coming yeah. out with a solution. Yes, so true, just true. give it uh, time. Yes. yes. Other people in the world have saw this problem and took action mm-hmm. and changed it and made, yeah. a, made better tea bags. So yes. Good. Good. All right. Number five. Okay. The darkness of the egg yolk shows its nutrients. Sort oh, of. Yeah. yeah. Talk to me. Okay. So I remember opening, so making some eggs in the morning and I had a normal batch of eggs, you know, from like the white styrofoam. And then I had like pasture eggs, um, from another one and the styrofoam eggs, the white, whatever were like this pale, pale white, yellow. And then I cracked this like brown egg that was this glorious golden sunshine. And I was like, this is quite the difference. (laughs) What's the difference? Talk to us. So pasture raised eggs and don't quote me on the exact number. Um, I could look it up, but I believe it's three, they contain three to six times as many omega three fatty acids as cage. And, 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 uh, and when you say cage free, it doesn't mean anything, right? Yes. In fact, that is number six. Ah! Okay. Number six with that would pasture age versus cage free. You taught me this difference. Okay. Jump us in there too. Yeah. So in the overall beginning with the, the quality of the yolks, when hens are able to free range, actually free range and be on grass and pasture and eat bugs and eat grass. So grass, grass is one of the highest plant sources of omega-3 fatty acids. And so when animals, whether it's cows or pigs or chickens, if they can eat grass, and that's what they live on. They're going to have higher levels of omega-3 fatty acids. I don't know why this is so like contested. It's just science. We are like, what we eat. Yes, we, we are, are what we eat. And so now they've actually done studies and they've shown that the grass-fed meat and grass-fed eggs contains many times higher the omega-3 fatty acid content of like conventionally raised, CAFO-raised products, animal products. So- Um, yes, that's, that's a big part. And then the birds, like the chickens, when they're getting this nutrient rich diet, nutrients are colorful. That's why we want to eat the rainbow. rainbow. Yes. And so there's lots of vitamins like beta carotene that give food that rich orange color. And you can see that in the yolks of birds that eat a nutrient dense diet because they produce more of those vitamins. And it's not like beta carotene is the only vitamin that's in excess, but it's the one that you can see Mm -hmm. in that Mm -hmm. orange yolk. Um, it's what makes like carrots, orange and, and peaches and all those things that have those higher levels. Um, so yes, that is why a pasture raised egg looks so different. If you crack it in a pan compared to a conventionally just CAFO raised egg, that's pale yellow, those birds get 
get are sick usually, I mean, and, and they're nutrient depleted and it shows in their egg, that egg yolk looks ghostly because it's mm-hmm. basically a ghost of a chicken. Like mm-hmm. it has no valuable existence. It's life is not happy. <laughs> it's not eating good food. Like yeah. it shows. Right. Right. Um, and, and so when we got our own chickens and started eating those eggs, I got so used to the dark orange color. I mean, our chickens, Beautiful. if you come to our house, they, they roam our yard, they dig up Living our flowers. Heaven. This is heaven. <laughs> Do you see them? I laugh at the vegetarian fed eggs. Chickens are not vegetarians. They will 10 out of 10 times eat a grasshopper or a cricket oh, yeah. or a beetle or a frog before they will eat grass. Like they, yes, they eat a lot of grass and they like the grass and they they'll eat the feed. You know, we give them feed just to make sure they get everything that they need. But, um, but they will, they're not vegetarians. And so feeding them a vegetarian diet is not better if, okay. Yes. If you're taking animal parts and grinding them up and feeding them gross animal parts, no, that's not ideal. Right. But it's right. much better for a chicken to be able to roam and get on the yes. grass and eat the bugs. Like it's natural habitat. Yes. yes. And then you get all the nutrients from the bugs, which you don't want to eat. Probably. There are a lot of cultures that do eat bugs and they are healthier than we are for it. But we bugs. can just settle with eating the eggs. Yeah. And then the chicken ate the cricket. The crickets are so full of nutrient values. You get the nutrients in the eggs when you eat the eggs from the chicken that ate the cricket. So there's a way around eating the cricket yourself. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it really does show in the egg yolk mm-hmm. color. So when we got our own chickens, I got really used to seeing that dark orange color. And then I remember I went to a conference for work. And, um, we were at the hotel and I went to the conference room in the morning and they had like a little breakfast set out and they had hard boiled eggs. So I got a hard boiled egg and I bit into it and I was like, Oh my God, something was wrong with this chicken. What's wrong? Like this, why is this yolk? So pale, pale. It's like white on white. The yolk is white. Outside is white. Yeah. And I was literally like for, for just a brief moment, I was like, Oh my God, this, this chicken was really sick. And then I was like, Oh, right. No, this is just what conventional eggs look like. that golden sunshine inside used to eggs that are pretty and this is just what an egg from a normal CAFO raised chicken modern industrialized egg that's a robot egg yes so if you have not had the chance to buy legit pasture-raised eggs Look for a local farmer that sells them. If you can. dollars a dozen, just pay it. Yes. worth it. Exactly. And get those eggs. And then you will never go back because the flavor is different. Like the flavor is richer and better. Yeah. More satisfying. Looks more appetizing. I just had it for breakfast this morning. And it's like, I did the scrambled eggs where it's just like the gold is everywhere around it. I was like, this looks amazing. And sometimes our egg yolks are so orange. It's like you're, you're making like a recipe and you mix the eggs in and it turns the whole thing just a beautiful orange color and when it's supposed to be a white product it can be kind of offsetting yeah yeah. (laughs) they're like we weren't expecting your high nutrient eggs yes (laughs) and it so it turns a lot like when I make the chia seed pudding I put an egg yolk in it um not the whites but just a raw egg yolk and it turns this like gorgeous orange color and I'm like do you eat it raw cold? I do. You do. I eat raw. You trust the source. You know, I trust the source. I know our hens. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. The other thing about home backyard pasture raised eggs versus confined animal feeding operation, CAFO eggs. 
is that you see a lot of, this makes me very mad, but (laughs) you see a lot of warnings of like, oh, don't, you know, don't like backyard hens and people get sick from eating the eggs and they don't wash them. Mm -hmm. And like, you just see a lot of that, right? right. Yeah. Here's the thing, a backyard flock that has appropriate space, like ours do that have a certain amount of square footage per bird. They're outside all day in the fresh air, in the sunshine, roaming around, eating the diet they were meant to eat. Our hens do not get sick. Our eggs do not have high levels of salmonella because Mm -hmm. our hens are healthy. We give them probiotics. They get prebiotics from the grass and from the the bugs that they eat. They get the probiotics that they need. So we don't have a problem with bacterial overgrowth in any of our hens because they're healthy. And that is generally how it is for most people who pasture raise hens. They get fresh air, they get sunshine just like people, the ones that get outside, that get exercise, that get sunshine are healthier. It's the same thing for hens. And when you take thousands, literally 30,000 hens and cram them all into a tiny building, whether they're quote unquote cage free or not, it doesn't matter. It's not humane. Yes, They're crammed into this building. They have no space. They're getting feed that's deplete of the nutrients that they need. Amen. They don't have fresh air. They don't have sunshine. They're not happy. They're pooping on each other. They're pooping on each yeah. other. They're picking through their poop because yes. hens scratch and dig. That's yes. normal hen behavior. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they get sick. And what happens when they get sick is their immune systems are down and there is bacterial overgrowth of things like salmonella. And when you eat those eggs raw, you are at risk of getting salmonella. But when you eat a, a regular healthy, healthy yeah, egg raw, yeah as long as the like conditions the hens are living in are healthy, yep. you're not going to get salmonella. Like, okay. Amen. <laughs> preach, preach, lady. So preach. that's one thing too, is yes, I yep. eat our, I don't eat the egg whites raw because raw egg whites contain something called avidin oh. in them. It's a protein and it binds to biotin. So biotin is one of the B vitamins. It's the one we need for healthy skin, for healthy nails, for healthy hair, uh-huh. um, for joint, for joint health, we need biotin and, and raw egg whites have avidin and that binds to biotin and it keeps your body from absorbing it. So number nine, things I learned <laughs> from Eleni, <laughs> taking notes. <laughs> So we don't eat raw egg whites, but we do eat raw egg yolks and they're really good in smoothies or in like the chia seed pudding. They're really good for you. Plus the nutrient value. Look at the color again, nutrients have color. So look at the yolk, which is bright orange versus the whites, which is clear. Yeah. And then eat the yolks and stop eating egg white omelets. Okay. There's no nutrient value to that. It just makes me so mad. Who decided egg yolks were bad? I know some, some marketing team had too many egg yolks for some reason. We're like, we need to sell these. Yeah. We're going to make egg white omelets. We're going to tell people that it's better for them. It's not, it has no value to it. Yep. Stop. Stop it. Stop it. I think we need to do some YouTube videos on chickens now. I'm seeing Elaine's passion and we're going to follow this thread. (laughs) We're going to follow it. Follow our YouTube channel, Renegade Nutrition Podcast. And then to hit your point six. Yeah. Which is okay. So here's, here's the thing about cage free hens. So yes, being confined to a cage is horrible. Mm-hmm. The hens can't get up. They can't move. They can't stretch their wings. Move. And if you have actually ever watched a chicken, like in general, you know, that scratching and dust bathing and digging and pecking Sunshine. like that yeah. is their life. And so you take this animal that 
is like built around movement and you cram them into a cage and they can't move like that is horrid. Okay. It is sad. I know, but it's barely any better to open the cage doors and then just cram them all together in a confined feeding operation because they pick on each other. Hens are mean. They're mean to each other. (laughs) And when you cram them all in and they're unhappy again, how do we get yeah. When we're crammed in a building. With Think no about sunshine. anytime you've gone on vacation with your family you're and crammed you're in. crammed in a hotel room yep. and you have seen nothing but each other and yep. say it's raining outside, right? Yeah. Or you're in a car and you're driving across the yep. country and you've been all no together movement. for just yep. a little bit too long. Think yep. about how snippy you get with each other. Okay. Yep. Now imagine that's your entire life. Yeah. And you're like, you literally have no move space to move or do yep. any of the things you enjoy doing. And yeah. you're not getting sunshine, you're not getting fresh air, and you're not getting adequate nutrition. Yep. We would all be like yes, these like yes. homicidal we're, maniacs yeah. too. Yeah. We're all divorced. We all left all the families. We orphaned all of our kids. Like it's all over. It's all over. So yep. you take that and you apply that to birds, which have feelings like we do. Yeah. You cram them all in together. And they peck each other. And that's why oftentimes in those CAFO organizations, they actually clip the chickens' beaks off so that they stop oh. pecking each other, which oh. is horrid 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 eat there on the ground there yeah so cage free doesn't mean humane it doesn't mean better they're not getting fresh air they're not getting exercise it just means they're not in cages and honestly if you're gonna cram them all in together anyway it's almost better that they're in a cage so that they can't pick each other Mm. so yes cage free but pasture raised pasture raised As long as they say that they are raised on pasture because it can be grass fed and still be in a confined space. Yeah. But if they say they are birds raised on pasture and some of the best brands do say how many square feet they give per bird. So there are things that you can look for. Yeah. But the best thing to do, if it's an option to you, the number one thing is to find a local farmer whose farm you can see, who you can see how they're raising their birds. You know that they're healthy. You know that they're happy. The next best thing is to look for those brands in the grocery stores and and every grocery store carries them now, right? Because people are becoming more conscious of it. Yes. But look for the ones that say they're raised on pasture. If they say how many square feet there are per bird, that's better. Um, yeah, that's the the optimal thing. Yeah. But having raised my own chickens, I don't think I could ever go back just because yeah, ours yeah. are always so happy. Though. And now to pivot off the chickens too, I mean that like this would be the same for like cattle, like beef, like pasture raised beef. Absolutely, the same exact thing. And yes. like the nutrient in pasture raised beef is so much higher. So than, much higher than um yeah, like in the lot when they're on their own poop and then yeah. the methane gas is exposed. That's a terrible thing. Where they're in the pasture, they can resoil the earth and they actually draw down more carbon and that earth. So yes. it's a whole cycle thing. It's yes. Like back to how God made the earth. Like exactly. Yep. And the last thing I'll note too on eggs is free range. If you see a egg carton that says free range, that also doesn't really hold a lot of meeting. Like I don't mean to be the person that ruins everything for everyone, but, <laughs> <laughs> wah, wah, wah. but, um, free range is not a, um, like regulated term. So as long as they like, you can have free range eggs and all those hens are still in a confined animal feeding operation and they just open the doors, like a couple little doors. I've seen it like a couple little doors at one end and the chickens can go out, but, but there's nothing for them to go out to. Like, it's like a little dirt lot. 
or it's a very small space or so Mm. there are people that do free range and do it well, but there are a lot who don't. And so free range doesn't really mean anything either. So yeah, again, look for the raised on pasture, look for the like X number of square feet per bird. I can't remember what the best number is. I mean, yeah, our chickens just roam. So yeah, (laughs) but, but yes, do some research, look at it, find a top brand or find a local farmer use your economy dollars and be the change and make that change where we support farmers who do it the right way. Yes. Help, help the earth that way. Yes. And yes. Help your own body and help the animal, like helping everyone. Right. Yep. It costs a little bit more, yep. but it's always worth it to me to yep. find the higher quality product. And yep. yes, you vote with your dollars. Yep. So maybe you save $2 a dozen by buying the cheaper KFO eggs but, but you're just supporting that industry yeah. and all you're doing is making sure that that industry continues to thrive instead of forcing the change. When we yep. select the higher quality products, we force the industry to change because yep. that's what we put our money towards. And then everybody has to do that in order to stay afloat. That's how yep. it should work. Right. Yep. That is the biggest influence you literally have. Yep. With on this dollar. earth is with your money. Yep. <laughs> so. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Let's see here. Okay. My last two. So seven or eight. Um, are kind of rando. So number seven is sunscreen can be worse than the sun, depending on all the things. Go ahead. Yes. So sunscreen just first off blocks the UVB rays of the sun. And we need those rays in order for us to produce vitamin D. So when sunlight hits your skin, it sets off a whole chain reaction that enables your body to produce vitamin D. And that's, that's how we get vitamin D from sunlight exposure. When you put sunscreen on, you block your body from receiving those UVB rays and from producing the vitamin D that your body needs. So, um, That's one part of sunscreen. The second part of sunscreen is that many, many, many of them contain, again, microplastics Mm -hmm. and toxic chemicals. And I find it fascinating how many people are so conscious of what they put into their body, like what they're eating and what they're drinking, and then just put whatever on their skin. Mm -hmm. But your skin is absorptive. What you put on your skin gets absorbed into your bloodstream the same as if you eat it. So it matters just as much what you put on your body as what you put in your body. Yep. So it is very important to look for a sunscreen that is not full of things you can't pronounce. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so lots of the natural the sunscreens label. have like, I think zinc oxide is one of the active ingredients that does make it kind of white, but they're not nearly so filled with all the toxic ingredients. My favorite resource and which we talked about this in our skin health podcast is the EWG, the environmental working group, EWG website. So if you go to just type into Google, like environmental working group or EWG, and you'll get to their skin deep database mm-hmm. and then search for sunscreen and find yeah. the sunscreen that ranks the highest yep. in their, in their database. Um, which in their database, the lower a number a product has, the less toxic it is. So it ranges, I think from like one to 10, where 10 is the most toxic one is the least toxic. And then they color code them too. So 10 is red one, one and two are green. Green. The other ones are yellow, then orange, and then red. So when you're searching for a good, healthy product, look for the ones that rank a one or a two on their website. Um, but my biggest advice is to honestly, if you, if you can build a bit of a base tan, so 
instead of you don't, yeah because the, the danger is in the burn yeah you yeah. don't want to get sunburned obviously it feels miserable it's not good it's not good for your skin to get sunburned because it does do damage when you burn your skin especially if you burn it repeatedly <laughs> but yes. um but the best way is to get sunlight exposure in those hottest hours of the day you know that 10 to 2 10 to 3 kind of window and start building up a base tan and do it really gently and gradually 15 yeah. minutes out in the sun, 20 minutes out in the sun until you start to build up a base tan. If you're one of my many fair skinned friends that just don't build up a base tan, so, like, so pale. <laughs> like I understand. I'm like, yeah. I, I tan, my husband does not tan. Yeah. I'm like full Italian. My husband is full like Norwegian, English, yeah, Norwegian, English. Yeah, Scandinavian. Yeah. He does not tan. He freckles. Yeah. Um, Although he does get tan because he still spends a lot of time outside without sunscreen, but I'm not yeah. recommending that. Yeah, I'm just saying right. if you burn, if you have a tendency to burn instead of tan, then you can wear sun protective clothing yeah. instead yeah. of sunscreen. Yeah. They have lots of good clothing. It does still block the UVB rays. So you still don't get the vitamin D exposure, but it's better than blocking those rays with toxic sunscreen. Yes. Yep. So yeah. yes, it's, it's, it's a thing, but you want to be able to have, you need the sunlight exposure to have the vitamin D. You can't really get as much vitamin D from your food, at least as far as we know, mm -hmm. you can't get as much vitamin D from your food as you need. So I still recommend people supplement year round with a high quality vitamin D supplement, but getting sunlight exposure is so important. So even if you are fair skinned and you can just spend like three minutes out in the sunshine, yep. like full body exposure. Yeah then do it nude, nude, okay. nude, nude. And that is the other thing is you need full body exposure. So just going out with your t-shirt and your pants yeah. and your hat, it's not enough sunlight exposure. Need it all. You see need it all. the hippie way. I'm here for it. I am so here for it. If you've got neighbors that can see in your backyard, just oh. weigh the consequences. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Make your own decisions, friends. Okay. The very last thing of things I've learned from Eleni this year are, is to Cook it slow and low. Did I say that right? Slow and low. Slow and yes. Low. Um, so especially foods like meats and vegetables, when we cook them at high heat and burn them or brown them, it um, produces something called glycated end products. Mm. So these sort of like burnt bits the, or caramelization or something like all the things that but yummy that are so good Yum. but you're basically like caramelizing the sugars in the food when you do that you create this um sort of toxic product yeah, like carcinogenic it is okay. and it's not good for your body so they call them ages advanced oh gosh i hope i get this right advanced glycation end products, I think is what it is. Okay. Ages. And it right? like ages you. It ages you. Okay. Yes. It does that. cause that words. skin damage. It causes yeah. um, vascular damage and it can cause kind of the systemic inflammation. So when you cook meat or vegetables, it's best to cook them low and slow. So low temperature and slowly to get to the product you want. So thinking like a crock pot is a really good way to yeah. do it or oven baking at a lower temperature um, yeah. or steaming vegetables is a really good option. Gently sauteing vegetables is a really good option. The other thing is it preserves a lot of the nutrient value, whereas putting something in really high heat and burning it kind of you can imagine that kind of destroys the nutrient value. Yeah. So I recommend, um, I like to saute vegetables for the most part. I steam some things, 
Um, but I just gently saute them at a lower heat. And actually how I saute a lot of our vegetables is I pour a little bone broth in the pan and then mm. kind of steam saute them in the bone broth. Mm -hmm. So they're not just cooking on a hot, hot surface, but they're um, just sort of steaming in that bone broth. And then you get extra bone broth in it and you get the vegetables cooked the way that you want them. Yeah. But yes, I know it's always one of the hard things for people. Cause it's like, when you start working with somebody on their diet and they're like, Oh, okay. I can't have sugar and I'm not going to have gluten and I may have to cut out dairy. And now I can't cook my meat on a grill. Like yeah, yes. <laughs> what so can I do? No fun. You can feel good all day. You can have no energy slump. You can. Yes, exactly. That's the way to think about it. We just good. interviewed Matt Embry, you know, and yes. we talked about no cheat days and no he said, days. when you love yourself, yeah. You do the things that make you feel yep. better optimal. and optimal. Yep. And so think about it as you love yourself. And so you're yep. taking care of your body, but yes, especially when we burn meat, that's what can produce some of those, um, ages that then create inflammation in our body. So every once in a while, you know, it's fine. Don't like don't, right. don't freak out. Don't feel right. like you have to live in a bubble. If yeah. you go to like a barbecue at a friend's house and they're grilling burgers, don't feel like you can't eat them. My husband and I grill food. Like yes, yes. it's part of life, yep. but anytime that you can As choose, habitual. yeah, yep. choose yep. to slow cook meat or cook it in the oven at a lower temperature or steam it, then do that. That's yeah, just the make these option. small, tiny tweaks to your every day. And it really adds up like your body keeps score of everything. Right. So yeah. Do your best to keep your score on the, on the good end. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, well, thank you, Eleni. Yes, Those are welcome. the eight points that I, uh, the wisdom I drew from you, I think in this past year. So, wow. I'm so glad I, I had no idea. <laughs> These like very small things that you say that you don't know that I'm like etching it in the back of my mind. Yes. <laughs> and you're like yes. Affecting the way I live and, and for the better. So, oh, good. So thank you for that. Yes, of course. Thank yes. you. And thank you, Kay, for hosting this episode. Yes, you're welcome. Okay, Renegade. So go home, do all those eight things, change your life for the better. You will feel better doing all these things and yeah thanks for your insight awesome lady. well go be renegades right, go be renegades thank you for listening to the renegade nutrition podcast please keep in mind that this podcast is an educational service that provides general health information the content on this podcast is not a substitute for direct personal professional medical care and diagnosis you should always talk to your doctor before making a dietary or lifestyle change Go be renegades. Go be renegades.